Welcome to Poetry Presents, the podcast for emerging and aspiring poets. I'm Indrani Pereira, the founder of Poetry, the home of unheard voices. I'm coming to you from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging. I acknowledge that this is stolen land and that sovereignty has never been ceded. In this episode of Poetry Presents, I'm interviewing an established poet about their experience in getting their poetry published. Joining me again for part two of the interview is Scott Patrick Mitchell. Scott Patrick Mitchell is a WA-based non-binary poet who is a guest on the land of the Wajuk Noongar Nation. SPM's work appears in Contemporary Australian Poetry, the Fremantle Press Anthology of Western Australian Poetry, Solid Air, Stories of Perth and Going Postal. In 2019, SPM won Cold Creek's Literary Award for Poetry, Melbourne Poets Union's Martin Danny Urban Realist Poetry Award and the Wollongong Short Story Prize. Most recently, SPM was shortlisted for the International Googie Goa Prize for Speculative Prose, the 2020-2021 Red Room Poetry Fellowship and the Martha Richardson Poetry Award. Welcome, Scott Patrick. I'm so glad you could come back for this second episode of Poetry Presents. Of course. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. And hello to all the listeners. I'm going to take you back in time in my time machine now and ask you if you can remember who published your first poem? Well, I do love time travel. Um, so I'm more than happy to travel back in time. So the year is 1998. <laughs> oh, that sounds so long ago. And it was. Um, the year is 1998. And I, I'd been doing an undergrad in psychology. And on the advice of my mom, uh, she recommended that I do a uh, kind of double major. So psychology and writing. So I started doing writing and I had some really, really wonderful lecturers and stuff. And I sent a poem off to Westerly for they had a young writers showcase. And I was amazed that I got chosen for it. And yeah, it's um, one of my it's one of my favorite poems. Um, It's called Eight Letters to a Lover, Letter Number Two, 4 a.m. Port Augusta train station. If you have those poems that you really enjoy writing, and that was one of those poems. So Wesley published it. And if you happen to have the Fremantle Press Anthology of West Australian Poets, um, it's in there as well. That poem has an amazing title. I'd like to know um, if you want to share what it was about. I wrote it when I was travelling to Adelaide um, and we caught the Indian Pacific. So I was travelling there with the composer, that I was working with at the time, and we had this quirky, minimal, minimalistic, baroque spoken word act called spoken new word music, and and it was basically it was one of the pieces that I wrote um, traveling across. It's that old idea of when you miss someone and you look up to the stars, you're seeing the same stars. But what I did was is that um, I rewrote I wrote my, my own creation myth for the stars. And um, it has, it closes with the line, there, my lover, I have written a myth for you. I have made those stars looser to navigate through. So it's about finding your way back to your lover, even though you're in completely different landscapes, via that connected firmament of stars. That is incredible that you came up with your own myth. And those lines, when you just recited them, they, they gave me goosebumps. Oh, really? Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I still perform it to this day. I've actually added bits to it. I really enjoy it because it's just, um, 
yeah, it's just one of those poems you go through your career and there's certain poems that you write and it's like, oh, wow, that's actually that actually feels like magic. And it was one of those instances. Yeah. So you could actually feel as you were writing it that it was something special. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. The whole idea was to actually create these. Uh, I was away for eight days. So I was going to, you know, write a poem for every day that I was away. And I think I only wrote two. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those moments where it just all, it all just came together. It was just clear and definite. And yeah, that, I think that was one of those instances where it's like, oh, wow, I think I could actually make something out of doing this. And then when Westerly picked it up and published it, it was like, oh, wow, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. And yeah, I'm going to keep going. That's fantastic. And published by a journal like Westerly for your very first poem. That's amazing. How did that feel? Um, it was ecstatic. I, I, it wasn't the very first poem I ever got published. The other ones are all angsty teenage poems that we, we're going to leave to the history and to the dust. But that was the very first one that, you know, I, w- w- where I took myself seriously enough to go, okay, yeah, let's send this through. And it was just that moment of, oh, wow, yeah, I, I enjoyed writing it. I enjoyed editing it. I enjoyed sending it off and, of course, getting it published. And, yeah, it was just one of those moments where I just felt like, yes, keep going. This is the kind of magic that you've been hoping for ever since you were a kid. That poem, that magic poem of yours, did it have a form? Oh, interesting. Yes, it did. Um, so at the time, I was really, uh, it's funny, I'm looking around as if I can actually show you an example, forgetting that this is completely audio. Um, so if you imagine a blank page, so, you know, we, a poet will typically have the poem jammed on this left-hand margin. Is that right? Yeah, left-hand margin. And um, instead, it was scattered across the whole page, uh, very much as if it was falling from the sky. I, at the time, I called it, you know, this idea of displaced poetics. So it was, um, yeah, very much fragments and, and broken up and floating on the page. And that was a very much my form at the time as well. I haven't heard of displaced poetics before. I, I know what you're sort of alluding to with the scattered lines on the page. Yeah. I, I like that displaced poetics. It's a nice description. Uh, that, was, that was the phrase that I came up with. I, came up, I come up with a lot of my own kind of phrasing for what I do. I realise that poetry exists in a canon and canon be damned, um, which I know a few people clasp their pills at hearing me say that but I, I i like the idea of just making my own rules one of one one rule that i've always had since i started writing and i think it was even predating writing was this idea of be the experiment so always experiment always play always grow and so i've added to that you know in, in recent years by be the experience as well so put yourself into that experience if you're going to write about it not like actually physically put yourself but you know, be the experience. I let that emotional impact uh, reach you. If I come up with words and phrases, just know that I'm probably just making them up as I go along. <laughs> That's brilliant. I, I like that you're doing that because there there is a language to poetry and it can be quite intimidating, all of these words that people just blithely use and you're going, what's a sestina? I don't even know what that means. I'm wondering how long you'd been writing at the time that you got this poem published in Westerly? Oof. I, know, I know there's there's a real clear-cut question, but it's it, it's interesting because as, as a writer, there are certain stages where you just start taking yourself more and more seriously each time. Um, and I know that 
once once my book comes out, I'm going to hit this other stage of taking myself more and more seriously. I probably started writing. I mean, I was writing as a kid. I loved writing, and it was always short stories as well. But there were always these really surreal short stories, really quite magical short stories. Um, and then the poetry started in year eight as uh, English ex- assignment, and I just loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I approached it from a unique angle and got great feedback. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe this is something that I can do. And then I know that when I was 14, I was reading, oh, I was reading a lot of weird, you know, adult books and probably and 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 theory that I didn't understand, but I thought it was cool as a kid to be reading this stuff. And so I started writing odd little kind of mixture of science fiction and these kind of new age philosophy kind of poems. Yeah. And then when I kind of hit uni, that's when it was, I started realizing it was when I got up on a stage and I read a poem out and I was told, yeah, you, you've, you've got something there with the reading of it. And so I started writing a lot of poetry to perform. And that's kind of when I found my groove. It, it, it hasn't been an easy career. I've experienced, I experienced um, a bit of, homophobia in the publishing world a bit early on um which kind of set me back a little bit but you know from that i grew and realized well if if i'm going to experience that from publishing maybe my jam is on a stage so that's when i started performing a lot more and and working with a composer and and writing these really weird kind of burlesque you know sonically burlesque kind of um fringe shows and stuff like that it's a shame that you encounter that homophobia in the publishing industry and I'm really grateful that you had that outlet for spoken word and performance so that you could keep your poetry alive. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's wonderfully, vastly different landscape now in publishing. It's a lot more accepting, but it was at the tail end of the 90s and, you know, I, I was writing some pretty hardcore queer stuff because that was the kind of stuff that I was reading and, I'm, um, you know... Obviously, I was just sending it to the wrong markets. Um, but now, more than ever, everywhere is very, very accepting and open, and you know, to that, to that kind of stuff. It's interesting that you mentioned you're sending it to the wrong markets. That sort of leads nicely into a question I was going to ask later about how you match your work to journals and publications. Yeah, so this is, again, for me, I, I'm sure other poets find it really easy, or at least I hope they do, or at least I hope someone finds it easy. For myself, personally, it's always a bit of a struggle. It's taking risks as well, realizing that you do have some poems, and it's like, well, I wonder if they'll accept this. And sometimes the risks pay off, sometimes they don't, but it, it becomes very instinctive nowadays as to what to send where. It's very much instinctive as to what to send where and, and hoping that it, you know, uh, connects with the editors. It's also a lot more being aware of writing that schedule of when the deadlines are. And I'm very old fashioned. I know people probably have it on their computers and have reminders on their phone, but I'm very old fashioned and I, I, write, I have a, a planner and I write it down and, you know, it's that whole thing of, tick the box or you cross out that thing if you don't submit to it. But if you submit to it, you tick the box. And so it's that I'm very much, I have to have it physically in front of me, something that I can refer to 
because if it's not there, if it's not physically in front of me, then it's easy for me to forget about it and to sideline it, you know, because if it's hidden on your phone or if it's on a spreadsheet on your computer, you've got to keep on going back to it. Whereas if it's, I write it down physically, I can see it and I can go, okay, I'm working towards that goal. And it's becoming, it's a lot easier now to be able to match it. But again, it's a lot of instincts and just going, okay, I think maybe this is what will resonate with with these editors and this is what will resonate with these editors. But with this call out, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to send this piece because it's weird and it's electric and it probably won't stick. But if I don't try, I'm never going to try. And I think it's a, you, you got to have that little faith in yourself, a little bit of play around what you're submitting. I'm wondering about that instinct. Do you think that has developed over time through that trial and error of sending your work out and getting it back? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. It's uh, listening to that gut. You know, the more you listen to it, the more the more it trusts you, and the more it speaks to you. So yeah, it has developed over time. And over time, has your writing style changed? Do you? Think? Oh, dramatic. Oh yeah, sorry for cutting you off, but yes, it has changed so so much, and it's 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 changing even now. Yeah, it's changing even now, and I'm sure I, I'm sure other poets experience it as well. But it's always this interesting evolution of how it just shifts, and sometimes the shift is really small, but sometimes it's quite big. And I feel as though I'm in one of those moments where it's kind of shifting in quite a big way, and it's. I don't know. I think it's also to do with that degree of care that you approach the poetry with. And you're very conscious of um, what parts of yourself you're putting out into the world. And so you're very, that you approach it with a lot of care. I'm wondering what sort of care you took when you were putting together your debut collection, which is coming out next year. Oh, okay. So I'm going to preface this uh, just with a content warning. So the collection, Clean. It deals with um, issues surrounding addiction, recovery, self-harm, uh, which is, it's, it's not all of that stuff, but it is in there. Um, so there, yeah, so it deals a lot with um, my own personal experience of drug addiction and recovery. So an amazing amount of care has gone into the entire collection. I have probably been working on this manuscript for probably eight years um, and it's gone through a lot of different titles because of the content and the subject matter and how we talk about addiction as a community as a society versus as a community versus as the individual speaking their truth you have to be very conscious of those different spheres and how you approach it you know, there's a lot of terminology that people use in a derogatory way towards people who are addicted to drugs. And I noticed that in one or two of my poems, you know, I fell into that kind of trap and I was like, no, I don't want to be that person that perpetuates that kind of um, language. So I'm going to take it out. I think there's only one instance where it's contained and I actually subvert it and have, uh, I add a different meaning to it. Um, so that a huge, immense amount of care has gone into putting this together because it's such a highly hyper-personal experience. You know, that was harrowing to live through. And I survived, I recovered, and I want to share that with the world. Something unique. 
about my experience. I think I think it's something unique about everyone's recovery experience, but also in that way of when you're addicted, you shut down so much of the external world. And then through the process of recovery, it's opening up and reconnecting. And so the collection is a lot of celebration about reconnecting with family, ecology, gender identity, gender expression, and also grief, because getting clean is a form of grief. So there's a lot of letting go. I mean, the first section, there are, there are moments of immense dark beauty. But yeah, the, the, the final part is very much about reconnection. And so just being very careful with myself and also, you know, because you've had that experience. So you have to make sure that you are looking after yourself and you do not relapse. So very, very big plate, but um, I've carried it. Oh, sounds like you've been on quite a journey to put that book together and doing some very deep, deep work there. And I wonder, do you share your writing with anybody before you decide to send it off? Or is this something that you just do yourself? Um, do, 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 do. Interesting. Yes, sometimes. Sometimes. The pieces that are, are me taking a risk, I'm, I'm more likely to share with somebody. And then, you know, the poets that I know who will understand where I'm coming from in writing that. Yeah, those ones I'm more than likely to share. Um, but more often than not, it's, it's a bit, I guess, solitary. I know I know of poets who are really quite collaborative in the sending off process, you know, working in Google Docs and editing each other's work. And I think that's amazing and brilliant. And sometimes I wish I had that kind of experience. But at the moment, I'm kind of happy, you know, finding refining my feet in a way. And it's it's always this case of I always feel like it's a case of finding my own feet again and again and again, because I'm, I'm open to the idea of growing as a writer and moving forward yeah and i wonder how you handle the rejection you send off all these amazing poems hoping that it's going to resonate with an editor and then you get that little email saying sorry not this time <laughs> oh rejection oh <laughs> i think i wrote a fragment recently you know i enjoy having a cat because i like getting rejected on the regular this is the same reason why i'm a writer um <laughs> uh it's it's part of the process it's one of the hardest parts of the process it it can be really tough it can really really wear you down and i think you know we're all human we all experience big emotions at times and sometimes those big emotions happen to intersect with getting you know rejections and you, you learn to live with it. More often than not, nowadays, I kind of, you know, taking those risks, I'm like, okay, well, if it doesn't stick, it doesn't stick. But, you know, rejection is just, it's one of the things, it's one of the hardest parts of the long game that is writing, if you're not careful. So you have to develop really kind of thick skin and realize that you have, you know, this incredible worth or else you wouldn't be writing. And perseverance and resilience, life can knock you around at times and unsettle that. I know for myself personally, 2020 was, you know, a global event that kind of unknocked, knocked me aside. 
knocked me around a little bit. And as a result, it was hard at times to deal with the rejection. Um, but it's part of the process and there's no easy way around it. <laughs> there is really no easy way around it. I wish it was something that they taught you more in undergraduate courses was how to deal with the rejection. I think that would be really good if there was more care given to resilience and perseverance as a writer. You know, we mention it is mentioned. People people rarely talk about the the ebb and flow of success and failure. So sometimes you'll be surging forward and a lot will be happening and it will be amazing. And then the you know everything the wave kind of then recedes. And so then you match with, you know, some rejections. And I wish we talked about that more. And I wish we had, I wish we had more kind of self-care around that. So more talk about self-care around that because it, it can get tough. What sort of things do you do for self-care then? Oh, have you learned, uh, have you learned anything? Uh, one thing I do is I dance. So that brings me back into my body kind of dissipates some of the nervous energy and, you know, it helps me feel a bit more focused and centred. Um, other than that, I mean, <laughs> I, I want to say, I want to say ranting and raving at Sky, but I've never actually really, really done that. But one of the main ways is that just being, bringing myself physically back into my body and just, you know, being present. That's quite good advice because those things, as you're saying, they ebb and flow. One day you're incredibly successful on top of the world and the next day you can be, you know, stuck down at the bottom. So it's nice to maybe pull back, remind yourself that it's not everything. Yeah. And I think I think one of the things also to keep in mind is that, you know, we're so we've become this society that very much, you know, we, we compare ourselves to other people. And we look at the success of other people and we, we have the sense that it's like a constant trajectory for them and that they're always moving forward. And what we don't realize is that they could quite possibly be experiencing the same thing that we are. You know, they're putting out the work out there and they're trying to probably break into new markets and they're getting rejected. And, you know, we, we don't see that from where we're sitting. So I think one of the main things is also just Understand that sometimes the spotlight isn't on you, it's on other people, but the spotlight will come back to you eventually if you keep persevering and you keep evolving and you keep being true to yourself and your work. That's a lovely way to look at it, that the spotlight moves, but it'll come back. I like that a lot. I'm wondering if you could go back in that time machine we're in earlier to 1998 and have a chat to SPM back then, what would you say to them? about their writing back then I, the the writing i'd say the writing the writing is great you you're doing really really great but you need to read more you really 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 need to read more and explore more and yeah forget about the canon you know go and read those marginalized voices those those voices at the edges, seek them out and read them because they're the ones that are going to bring you the most joy when you're older. So you might as well start now and start reading them now. Yeah, that would be that would be the one thing that I'd say is just read more because I think it, it really does benefit. It really has a beneficial quality to it, which reading other people's poetry and writing. 
That's superb advice for everyone. I think I'm going to be a little bit greedy, though, and ask if you have any other advice for aspiring poets who are keen to get their work published. Be, be the experiment. Be the experiment and be the experience. Have fun. Play. Push yourself. And then, you know, write something that's easy for you if you need to regroup. But be the experience. Forget the canon. See, I didn't swear there. Forget the canon. <laughs> and, um, and go and seek out, you know, the fresh, exciting voices. Read First Nation poets. Read LGBTIQA plus poets. Read poetry by writers with disabilities. Read those voices that, you know, are living experiences that you're probably, you might not be living, you might be living, but read them just to develop that sense of compassion and care. Yes. I feel like now I just have to sort of run away and find a poetry book and dive headlong into it after those wonderful words, SBM. <laughs> thank, thank you for being kind and generous. Um, you know, I, I'm sitting here answering the questions and I honestly, I feel like I'm making making it up a lot of it just it feels like i'm making it up and i wish i was one of those speakers that was you know found and direct and on point but i'm just you know this is how this is how i live and i just want to share that oh i think you're doing yourself a great disservice because your <laughs> your answers to the questions have been fantastic and i've i've learned so much and i feel like i've got a different perspective on how to approach writing and and that's a wonderful thing about poets you know every poet has their own way of doing things and we can all learn from that awesome thank you you're so welcome and thank you for joining me again today spm and sharing your experiences in the publishing world it was great to hear from you yeah thank you thank you so much for having me and thank you to the listeners out there my collection clean comes out early 2022 through Upswell Publishing. Be amazing if you go out, support local writers and read something that is um, a very unique lived experience. And um, yeah, something that I put a lot of care into creating. I can't wait to read your collection when it comes out next year, SPM. And thank you so, so much for joining us today. To find out more about Pocketry, the home of unheard voices, visit www.pocketry.com.au and happy writing.